as the reactions of the character and stuff that it's the character the character comes up with the stuff you don't expect them and uh-huh. the stuff you you've like pre-done and you try to figure out you're you're doing it the character won't do it <laughs> that's and that's exactly right and you know where I am in this current draft of the manuscript I've had like I had one character that just like stood up in a in a um, a meeting and I was like oh where did you come from and then as soon as I sort of like met him which sounds a bit odd but you know what I mean mm-hmm. Terry as soon as he stood up and said something I thought oh I know who you are I know where you fit into this story but I hadn't kind of started writing that scene anticipating that he would be there but so it's really interesting how it all kind of you know unfolds like that it's a, it's a strange thing it's like like. I, I try to explain it to uh, people, and it's I, basically, basically what I it's like is what it is is like the characters are in a dimension of characters, and when you start writing, the, the they they see you from that dimension, and they come and they they play with you. Oh, Does that make absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this one that I'm writing at the moment, I'm I'm really interested to be in this world finally because I've had him in my head for a very long time and he's literally been in my head and like sitting behind the wheel of his car and I've been working on other projects so occasionally he's glancing at his watch and occasionally he's like gunning the engine you know just giving it a bit of a rev and going come on I've got this story to tell you get in the damn car already we've got to get going and so finally I've gotten in the car and we're off so it's it's really good to be finally doing this one it's funny you do it the car (laughs) mine is like knocking on my door It's like knock, 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 knock. Sometimes it's bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I feel you know, um, it, it's almost like you know when you've got different sort of ideas in your head. It's like you've sort of got a, a waiting room of characters, and you know it's like one of those cheesy job interviews where you want to bring them in and say, "So tell me what your strengths are. What can you bring to the project?" You know, you're going <laughs> to interview these people. Like, okay, you're next. Come on, come in. We're going to work with you. So it's uh, yeah, it's always fun discovering who those those people in your head actually are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's one of the fun things about being a writer, Ooh. and that's why writers say that their characters are their friends, even the bad guys. That the, they're part of this weird thing that y- you have conversations with them, but it's in your head. You know, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. you you have like multiple personality disorder, but it's just common among writers. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very true. Very true. You sound a bit bit loopy when you're talking about you know having these convos in your head, and you know sometimes you know when you're writing and you think like you sit down and you think oh, this is what I'm writing today, this is the scene I'm doing, and you're halfway through the scene and suddenly your character just sort of like goes off on this tangent, and you're sort of like. I was what what why 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 are we doing this? Where are we going? And it's like we're, we're doing it this way. It's like okay. And so you you thought you were going in a certain direction, but your character's kind of gone off in another direction. And usually it turns out interesting. It's more interesting because you you know you just let them do it their way. Sometimes you end up dumping five or ten thousand words because it doesn't work out at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Some of the characters kind of take control, don't they? They just tell you where you're going rather than you having this carefully mapped out. And the thing is, it's not as interesting if you don't open yourself up to that. Mm. I think that's... That's right. People, I, I've talked to young people who are writers and, and they say, but doesn't it make you feel like you're nuts? Because it makes me feel like I'm nuts. And I go, mm. at first, it made me feel... Un- I never felt nuts. I felt uncomfortable because I wasn't sure if this is if this is what I wanted to it to be yeah but but no I never felt nuts (laughs) no and you know I think certainly with your crime writing you you need to be surprised that with any sort of writing people in real life are not ABC you know Um, so opening yourself up to to the variation that is your characters really makes for a richer manuscript and you want them to be complex you want them to be flawed because if they're not complex or flawed then you, pe- the people who are reading them aren't going to relate to them. That's it, exactly. And, you know, if you plan every step for your character, you know, I, I, it's boring for me as a writer, and I think it ends up being a bit boring for the reader if every single move that they make is, is highly choreographed. Or predictable. You know, that, 
I mean, yeah, and that's, that's boring it. when they're predictable. Oh, I, yeah. I read that book and I saw everything coming and I knew who the killer was and all of this. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you're like, uh, oh gosh, that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not for one of my stories, but I, um, I've fallen into this world of booktube on YouTube. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of it, but I haven't, haven't set foot there. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. It, it, what it is is um, it's the area booktube, and they have a little booktube, YouTube. They have a little thing that declares them booktube that connects them. Uh-huh. But a uh, tag, that's what I couldn't think of the word. Um, and what they do is they read books, and they talk about them, and they have all this. They have their own. It's so weird. They have their own language. You know how you, uh, you go to a club or you go to a new job and wherever you're going, they have their own way of doing it and they have their own uh-huh. language? Well, booktubers have their own language. Um, it's uh, One of the things, like, uh, they have a hall. A hall is buying books, buying new books. Okay, yep, yep. And then they have an unhaul, which is getting rid of books, donating them or whatever to to make room for new books or just because uh-huh. they don't like them. And then they have, what was the other one? I, oh, they have TBR, which is to be read, and uh-huh. D and F, which is do not finish, did not finish. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't know that when I started listening to it. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And so then they're they're doing like um, online reviews and things. Is that or just generally talking books? It's it's more than it's it's uh, they get a stack of new books. Um, uh-huh. Like they will have their February stack and they'll say uh, to help read what's on the back and then they'll say how they feel about it and whether or not they're that interested or whether they're going to read. I mean it's, it's like almost a stream of conscience sometimes. And then uh, after they read the book, that they will tell you if they loved it or hated it. And sometimes they give it in-depth. I just saw one where they get an in-depth uh, review of Jane Eyre, which was pretty long. It was like 50 minutes. Wow, uh, okay. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a very interesting one. Um, it's just really fascinating. But you know what really makes me have a lot my gladdens my heart about it. Most of the people that are there are young. I mean, they're like 19, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, they're high school and college age. Not all of them. There's older people. Um, There's one really wonderful one who's a woman who probably is in her 70s. She's just adorable. So, I mean, it's, it's all different types of people. But there's the biggest bunch of them are young people and that gives me heart because for years when I was working at in customer service or when I met people with kids they hate reading I hate reading I just hate reading and these people are passionate about reading I mean really passionate Catherine and it's it's just amazing um, that's just great that's you know it's so nice to to know that people are still reading and still reading physical books yes. too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but oh, and this is something bizarre. I don't really understand. I've I've listened to audiobooks usually when I'm doing housework or when I'm driving or something like that. They listen to audiobooks while they have the physical book and they read along with the narrator. I've never heard oh, of wow. that before. No, I didn't know that was a thing. Goodness me. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I'm going to have to check this out. This sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it it also, also feels like I could spend way too much time there. Um, yeah, that's not, one of the things. You, you do get sucked in. You do. But I, I actually have a lot of time. For, <laughs> I've allotted my booktube time. Because uh, it was sucking me in. Okay, so you, you you rationed yourself, you set yourself boundaries. That's very good. Yeah, very good. It's just like when I uh, I've I've rationed the news. I only watch the news first thing in the morning when I'm having my breakfast, 
After that, I don't watch news anymore. I don't read news. I don't pay any attention. The two is before I go to bed. About an hour, maybe two hours, I'll watch it before I go to bed. The rest of the day is me. <laughs> it's my stuff. <laughs> that's good. That, that's sensible. That says you, you, um, you bookended your bookended your day with you know current affairs, which you, you know as a writer you need your current affairs, and then your indulgent book thing at the end. So that's that's a really nice balance. Yeah, and yeah. then I usually read a book before I go to bed. So that's how weird I am about books. <laughs> Uh, speaking of books, um, I, I I haven't got far, but I'm really enjoying Just Murdered. It's it's really good. I'm so pleased. I think what was it end of Jan that the US edition came out. So yes. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. That's really good to hear. Yes, it was like was it the 21st or 25th, something like that. I didn't get it until uh, almost February. I I mean I really got it very recently. So, um, so I did pretty good. I'm on the. I'm on, I finished four chapters. After, uh, you know. That's good. Yeah, because we're we're not out of February yet. So you, I'm I'm there. I'm somewhere high up your your TBR pile anyway. You so. are. <laughs> yeah, I I just finished a room of view. That was a reread. Um, okay. I got the I, I. Oh, and that's another thing that about about booktube. I follow. There's editions of books I've never heard of that now I want. Um, okay. Like the Penguin British Library Edition, I think is what it's called. They're mm -hmm. they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. So um, I bought one, and I got one for my birthday. Um, I, I bought a Room with a View because I couldn't find my edition of Room with a View. I have oh. it, but I don't know where it is. I, 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 it might be my closet. You know, after a move, I've been here for a few years, but after a move, you just, you lose stuff. You can't find things that you know you have. Yeah. I, I never give away, there's two, there's two Ian Foster books I can't find. I can't find a room with a view, and don't you dare, Pie. Um, there's, um, uh, Ian Foster's Room of View and Passage to India. Ah, okay. And I can't. And I That'll never would give them away. I would never send them back to you know. I'd never you know give them to a library or something. Mm -hmm. I I know they're here, but I can't find them. <laughs> and obviously they're together because they're both Ian Foster. So you will have shelved them or boxed them or done something with them together. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I hate it when when things like that happen. People say. Where did you last see it? And you're like, if I knew where I'd last seen it, I'd look exactly where it was. <laughs> yeah. I'd go there and look for it. That's right. Yeah. But I just, um, but I just, so I was, um, when I was at the bookstore, um, one of the new books was that, and then another new book I got was, um, uh, it's a book I ha I have, but um, I had gotten a Pan Macmillan book of Jane Eyre, and mm -hmm. it was gorgeous. It was tiny. They're, they're little tiny green hardbacks with gold trim and a oh. beautiful green ribbon and gorgeous painting on the front and the back. It's just beautiful. And I got that for my birthday because I put it on my wish list on Amazon. <laughs> that's that's what I did for my birthday, Catherine. Um, uh, anybody asked me what I wanted for my birthday, I said, a book. And they said, oh, what book? No, no, I don't want to know. I want it to be a surprise. There, I have a wish list on Amazon. Look at it. <laughs> so that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. So that's how I got a lot of... <laughs> And so I got um, I got Emma. I when I was at the bookstore, mm -hmm. I found the Pam, Pam McMillan Pan McMillan of Emma. And so now I have two of them. So I have two English library. Oh, I didn't tell you the first one was the present was Persuasion, which is my all-time favorite Jane yep. Austen book. Um, 
And the other one I got was A Room with a View, because, at which I bought myself because I couldn't find it. <laughs> and I love Ian Foster. <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I like even more. I've reread Bride's Head Revisited recently, um, and L.P. Hartley. Oh, so yeah. So some of those, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was actually... Think, actually, that, you, you read my mind. I was actually thinking of um, rereading that because on BritBox they have a remastered uh, version of the one with um, Jeremy Irons and Anthony Andrews. Oh yeah. From yeah. when I was young. <laughs> it's, yeah, but that's it's, you know it's when when they remake these things, you think why did you bother remaking them? So no, definitely definitely go back and, and rewatch that one. It's like um. Oh gosh, so this might be a bit Australian, but have you read Picnic at Hanging Rock or seen the original movie? I've seen the original movie, I've seen the second movie, and I haven't read it. I, I haven't, I haven't gotten it yet. I, I can't find it. If, I don't know if it was because that would have been probably in the seventies oh, or sixties when the book was first released. It might not have ever come out in the U.S. But, you know, they, I mean, when you see that original movie that Peter Weir made mm -hmm. and how magnificent that is, um, you know, and then you sort of see what they did subsequently, which is good, but you just think, oh, you're not improving on the original. You I, know? I, yeah, the actors were all really good. It's just, it was yes, the writing yeah, it was a, that it was I had. really well done. But the screenwriting I had a problem with. I just, yeah. it, I, I, and nothing against the screenwriter. I just, it wasn't the same. It wasn't like the first one. I mean, I know yeah. it's it's like I get really upset with the new um, um, releases of uh, Agatha Christie uh, novels. Uh. I, I, I nothing against her. She's I've actually seen a couple of her things prior to her doing Agatha Christie. She's a fine writer, but I'm sorry. You can't change the murderer. Mm. <laughs> no. It's not right. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, when uh, the Davis Suchet ones, they, they added to it, they created new characters, they sometimes played around with characters, mm -hmm. but they never changed the plot or the murderer. You know, it's, it's always the yeah. same murderer. You, you can't, you yeah. can't do that. It's not fair. No, no, absolutely not. Don't mess with those things. Don't touch them. Just, yeah. No. It's just, it, it, I mean, it's just like they say. Well, Agatha did it. It's her book. It's her story. Mm -hmm. She can do what when she when yeah. she when she adapts it, adapted it to the play. She can take Perot out if she wants. It's her story. Okay. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's different. <laughs> they keep saying that. They say, well, you know, when she adapted, she changed stuff. And like Appointment of Death, she changed the end. And I go, it's her story, though. <laughs> and she was she was so astute. You know, she, she could see what would translate well to film and stage and things like that. And so she had, did that in mind, not just to be sneaky or tricky or smart in any way. She was looking at the bigger picture of how things translated to the audience. Yeah, actually, it's interesting because one of her plays was um, By the Little Pigs, and uh. she changed that to Perot out. And, but the thing is, it wasn't a hit, and I read that play and I can't understand it. It is really good. It's actually even better than the um, adaption that uh, David Suchet did as a uh, TV show. It is so good. I do not know why the play didn't make it. That's interesting. I hope they redo it. I hope it comes here. I would love to see it, the way that she adapted it. It was, uh, I mean, my first uh, time finding that out, Catherine, was when I did Murder on the, um, Murder on the Nile. Uh -huh. And she took Perot out and put Canon Pennyfather as the detective. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I was a reader of when I came. I had I I had seen Death on the Nile with Peter Ustinov. I mean, I had um I'd read the book, 
uh, uh, David Suchet was about nine years later, so mm-hmm. I I didn't even know who he was. Uh, <laughs> I although I had seen him in movies, but he was a character actor, and you don't really remember them until yeah. they become yeah. they do the crossover and become cool. famous. So I was like, Ken Pennyfather from At Bertram's Hotel, you're gonna make him the detective. And I'm and I'm like, what's she thinking about? And I'm talking to the director, and the director doesn't have any idea. She he, she had never read uh, any Agatha Christie, and she said, "What are oh. you talking about?" And I said, "In the book at Bertram's hotel, he doesn't remember his appointments. He doesn't rem- and he gets lost. He's he's totally bef- adorable but befuddled. How can you have him be a detective?" And she goes, ask Agatha Christie. I go, well, I can't. She's been dead. <laughs> I think, you know, I think Agatha, you know, Hercule Poirot was one of her, you know, she she loved him. He was one of her important characters. And I think she didn't want to, to risk him, you know, being associated with, you know, a, an amateur production somewhere in outback Australia or, <laughs> you know, the, you know, mid, somewhere, you know, the, the, the very, very amateur players and someone plays Hercule Poirot and then he's, he's like, he's, dead forever to everybody who saw that particular production. So I think she was just being very protective of him when she pulled him out of a few plays like that. Oh, I know, I know. And yeah, I, 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 know, I really... As, yeah. a, as an aficionado, I can I can well understand your consternation performing in that play and finding he was gone completely. Oh, I was so excited to be in an Agatha Christie yeah. play. And then I, I was still excited, don't get me wrong. I loved it. It was like a dream come true. I played the ingenue. I played Christine. I was so happy. I can't tell you how happy I was being in that play. But I was like, and it was funny. He was, Ken and Pennsylvania wasn't anything like that in the play. He wasn't, I, and I, um, I, go, I said to the director, I go, when I read the play fully, I said, I guess this is earlier. <laughs> Before it was old and befuddled, because <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't I it, once you read it and you see he's very intelligent he's very sharp he's you know he he he's observant um, so I mean he's he's like a detective so I I gathered when I uh, read the play before we started uh, rehearsals I said oh okay. I think that's yeah. what it is. I think it's like before when he was a little younger. <laughs> that's what, well, at least that's what I told myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, that, what that's, my point is is that it's really difficult when you um, when you love a series of books, whatever, whoever the author is, and they adapt it, and it's like. And and with all due respect to Kenneth, I love his work. He deserved his Oscar for the latest movie he did. Um, but his editions of uh, Perot is just... I mean, he's got the humor. He's got the ridiculous mustache, but he's got the humor. And he's got the passion. He's got all that. It just, it's too, it's like the the newest thing of the Great Gatsby. It's too glitzy. It's too sparkly. And they're going too far away from what the actual meaning yeah. of the story is. Yeah, and, and there's sort of that element of Provost, the action hero. Oh, that part. Oh, uh, in the second yeah. movie. I almost died when I saw that. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, and the thing is, he was never like that. I mean, nope. Even when he was a policeman, he was cerebral. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> because she gives that to you. Um, he, she did the story, of the chocolate box, and she gives what he was like That's when right. he was younger. So you know exactly what he was like. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was never an action hero. He 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 despised the thought of uh, running around as a, a later on as a policeman and a detective yeah. looking for clues. He wanted to find out 
what was the psychological thing behind what was going on and who had real motive because of psychology I mean he was already thinking of that during the chocolate box uh -huh. so the t t <laughs> it's like they never read the book <laughs> and Death on the Nile has a really wonderful complex plot it's a great book and with a really cool ending and it was one of another one of Agatha's first yeah and um that they took it and they made it into that <laughs> when somebody asked me which death on the Nile that you like um the Suchet, the um, Ustinov, or the Brad, I never know how, I say Kenneth because I never know how to say his last name. <laughs> He's a great actor. I loved him in a lot of movies. I liked him in Peter and Friends. I like, there's a lot of movies yeah. that I liked him in. I just, that, and um, the one that he just did with Judy Dench as his mother, I, I thought that was a really great movie. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, it's not against him as an actor. <laughs> It's him as the writer, director, producer thing that. Just for Agatha Christie, so perhaps yeah, just leave Agatha Christie alone. Well, murder wasn't as bad. Murder on the Orient Express wasn't yeah, as bad. True. It was it, Death on the Nile is just outrageous. Yeah, but that was see, that was a very qualified review there, Sherry, of, of Murder on the Orient Express. It wasn't as bad, so I think we'll just go back to. Leave Agatha Christie alone, please. Kenneth yeah, Brenner. please, Kenneth. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> just do two movies, but he's not. Yeah. He's actually working on another one. Oh, I know. Okay. I know. I mean, I think I'm going to have to revert to my. If I've read the book and really enjoyed it, I'm never, ever, ever going to watch a film adaptation of it. And but then, then sometimes you get surprised because sometimes that's they're wonderful. True. But I got to say. Uh, the Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio, and mm. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. He, yeah. One of my favorite movies is Titanic, so it's not again, again against him uh, or anybody in it. Everybody in it was wonderful. It was the writing. And the, but if you if you hadn't, if this is my rule. If you hadn't read the book, you probably would have absolutely adored the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I say, if I really, really love a book, I, no matter what other people say about the movie adaptation, I never watch it so that I don't have that oh. and I also had in my head because I saw the movie of it first which was with Robert Redford and um, uh -huh. Mia Farrow and Lois Childs and you know it was a really great cast yeah and um, that was what I had in my head when I read the novel because um, it was so beautiful and yeah it, it, yeah. it was it was it was more dreamy and beautiful and and sad. And the thing is that people don't understand about The Great Gatsby is that it's a tragedy. Oh, absolutely. It's not absolutely. a fun movie. It's not a fun book. It, it, I mean, there's really fun and funny parts of it, especially when uh, um, when Nick turns around and he's talking to somebody, finds out that he's Gatsby. That was funny. Uh -huh. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> Um, but, but really if the whole point of it was the underlying sadness from World War One and the dreams that never came true because of the war. And oh, absolutely. That's yeah. the point of it. That was, that was his grand opus, really. Uh, I mean, yeah. Even yeah. though it was a very small. <laughs> when I got the book after I saw the movie as a, a teenager, I was shocked. It's so little. It's like it's a novella. <laughs> it's not a big book. No, you, and you sort of expect, as you say, because it was like the magnum opus, it, you expect that it's going to be a weighty tome, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was like... It's like when I got the book of A Christmas Carol, which is even thinner. Uh, uh, certain books from be, uh, older books, another one's The Time Machine. Time Machine's really thin. Okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you mm. get, these are great novels.
great, all three of them, um, with great, great authors. <laughs> yeah. You don't expect them to be little. Mm. True, very true. But they are. And yet, people screw up the adaptions over and over and over again. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I ha I wanted to ask you about something, but now that we talked about how we don't like adaptions, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> go on, go on, dive in, Sherry. It's okay. Um, you have your wonderful series, and it's going to be adapted. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Hi, hi, no. I'm sorry, my cat wanted yeah. to climb up on the computer. <laughs> That's okay. So, well, well, yep. Wooden fingers crossed. So um, that's the Alex Clayton Art Mysteries, and yes, um, we are in the process of um, adapting to television. And there, there are going to be some changes. But this is the lovely thing about this. I've been involved with some of the writers' rooms and with the production company, and that was basically why I let I let them have the option because in our preliminary talks, they understood my characters and they understood the world. And while obviously there have to be some you know, some slight changes to make it more suitable for a television audience. Um, they get, they get the, the gang of it and they get the environment and they get the world that we're in. And even as we've been fleshing out episodes for television, you know, it, it's been great working with them because they see who Alex is and they see what her world is. So, um, and I think that, so that's a huge part of it the, um, for me being involved in, in that sort of stage of it. But just from the get-go, even if even if I hadn't been involved in this bit, to have had those talks with this production company and know who they are and see what their vision is for it, so yeah, that's where we are. And I, that's a, you know, it's funny because that's what Carrie Greenwood said when she yeah. uh, went with um, Every Cloud was that yeah. they un, they loved her books and they weren't going to fool around with her characters. Mm. Well, I, I know she told me that, that one of the original people who wanted to option it, you know, they got sort of advanced sort of through the stages and were almost sort of at the point of signing when these people said, she doesn't have to be called Phryne, does she? Because we don't want to call her Phryne. Um And the deal was completely off at that point, funnily enough. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, there's, I mean, there's a reason you name your characters the way you name your that's characters. Right. You know? That's right. Yeah. No, it's like... Um, Agatha Christie making fun of uh, people adapting was in um, what what Mrs. McGinty saw, and yeah. was Robin trying to adapt Adriana's uh, one of her books. Well, we we can't have him being old. We want him to be young and active and handsome. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, well, he's not. People know how old he is because they've read my book. Well, this isn't a book. It's a play. So we, we can do what we want with it. Oh, yeah. And I think well, that's so, what I mean, she yeah, went through. We'll, we'll come back to Agatha again, but even some of her you know, original, I think it was um, um, MGM, wanted to option some of her stuff, but they wanted Hercule Poirot to be a romantic lead. Mm -hmm. You know, so that another deal that fell through but so I think that that's really important that that knowing who you know no, you don't just say great someone wants to option my stuff you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make money or something whatever let's let's do it now if you um, love your you book have, no that's it that's <laughs> it and and I mean you know you know yourself having read those early Franny Fisher books what a brilliant job every cloud Deb Cox and Fiona Eager did um, realizing Franny on the screen and, exactly. and being so true to those early stories and Sure, there were you know a couple of things like you know Mrs. Butler didn't make it in, but that's you know you have to do that for the for the television format. You know you've got to understand what the viewing audience needs from the without losing the essence of the, the book. Yeah, and Jack became the romantic lead, and Lynn only yeah. had two two parts. That's right. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but it's like you said, it's part of being uh, you. You have to have a TV family. I mean, that's part of doing television, is you have to have a television family. You have to yeah. have somebody you see regularly. That's right. That's right. Very much so, yeah. You can't just have someone who's, you know, who comes in, you know, in episode one and then episode five in series two. Uh, everyone's like, oh, wait, what? 
unless they're like you know the, the the sneaky villain you know when everyone knows who the villain is but you've got to have that that ensemble don't you yeah yeah and see i actually when i was reading i i i saw the series first but i when i was reading the books of um Friday, it was i i like lynn a lot i mean i really yeah. like him uh i like him even better in the books to be honest um but the thing is, he's not always there. He was always yeah. going off to do some business in the Orient, or he was going to Italy mm-hmm. to get fabrics, or he was going to... He was never there. I mean, maybe he was in the... Like the like you said, like the fifth book or the twentieth book. Yeah. You know, he was not always there, so you can't have him as a regular character no. if he's not around all the time. That's right, yeah. And I mean, I if they had changed it and made him more like like more of a stable character maybe but I actually really like I, I have I mean I know there are fans who have a problem with um, the that Franny and Jack aren't together in the book so they won't read the books yeah. I'm not like that <laughs> I I mean you read the original text uh, to me, it's very important to understand where the development of the character came from. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's just, um, it's just like with uh, um, Peregrine, you know. There's no books, but the TV series is the original text. Uh-huh. So when you wrote it, you had respect for the original writing, and it's very much part of the structure you did with your book, you just added several dimensions to it because we found out what was going on in their heads and you had more of a description of things that of what was going on and things like that. So it was much easier to put those two together. I, and I, I really love what you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, absolutely. It had to be true to to the TV series and the, the characters that were already built there. And and also, um, you know, I had to have in mind and, and this, you know, tag-teaming back with, with the Everycloud people and Deb in particular, um, where they were envisaging the characters going in season two because, of course, season two for television hasn't come out then. And um, and so I had to talk with them and saying, you know, well, can I do this or can I can I take that in that direction because they knew they knew what they were doing with their characters and, and how relationships and things were evolving on TV. So I had to sort of you know check with them a couple of times. Can I do this? Is that going you know is that going to mess with what you're doing? Um, and they were brilliant to work with in that regard. You know, the, so it was really good. But it was yeah, as you say, it was being very respectful to that that story and who those people had been established as being in that first television series. I think it's really important when you think about adaptions. That's one of the things, whether it's from TV to book or book to TV, it doesn't matter. The respect of the writer for the writer is so important. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And, you know, Deb's, Deb's just brilliant. I um, love her. You know, the, the, the characters in the world she creates. Uh, and so, so to be able to, to be involved in that and to... You know, to flesh out that world a little bit for the for the book, it's just been absolutely magical. Yeah, I love Deb. I think she's amazing, and, and I mean, really, she wrote so much of both uh, series that it yeah. it's incredible. Absolutely, uh, yeah. The only person other than her that I know that wrote so much was the late Carl Reiner for the Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, wow. He wrote yeah. the first whole season all by himself. Re- I didn't know that, really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he said he didn't really realize, because he was an actor, who was, mm-hmm. this was his, this was, that was his first trying to, and he wanted to, he wanted a star. <laughs> the, <laughs> There's a, he wanted to be the star. He wanted yeah. to be. It was supposed to be Carl Reiner as, you know, the lead yeah. character, but they they didn't like that. Um, so yeah. when when it was Dick, he he really didn't know that there was writing rooms. I uh-huh. mean, he knew about writing rooms for live television, like he was part of your show shows, and he knew sure. about that. But in sitcom world. 
he didn't really know how it worked. So first season, he wrote everything. And then he, um, I think it was Sidney Sheldon who said, you know, you can get other writers. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to kill yourself. Because back then, they wrote 22 episodes per season. It's not like nowadays. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. My goodness. 22 episodes. Well, like um, I Love Lucy, uh, only two people, and later on it was, well, was three people, because three people wrote the first two seasons of all those shows. 44 shows, including The Birth of Ricky. Wow. And and wow. I think that included, did they go to Hollywood in the second or third season? I can't remember. But all these classic episodes, only three people wrote all those episodes. That's, that's just, wow. That's staggering, isn't it? It is. It's a, that's a lot. And if you think it's, uh, it was... Um, Jesse Oppenheimer, Madeline, I can't remember her name. I can't remember. The, Bob and Madeline were the, the writing team, and Jesse mm-hmm. was the um, producer, and, and he was in charge of the writing. And so the three of them worked together in collaboration. And after two seasons, <laughs> the writing team wanted to quit. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I want a life. I want to spend time with my my children and my husband. <laughs> but uh, old Desi, he was charming. He, he kept them there. <laughs> they said that Desi could talk you into anything. Really, really. But Wait, can, I'm trying to think of the writer. Was it Madeline? Madeline? She had a hyphenated Pew Davis. Was that it? A hyphenated surname? I think I, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what was his name? What Bob. Was his last Bob. Bob Carroll. Bob Carroll. Was that it? I can't remember. It's been a long time. I love that show. I I mean I have watched I Love Lucy since I was a baby. I mean so literally clever. my mother, so my mother, and put us in front of it as a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But yeah, I love that. I still love Island. You can watch; it doesn't get stale. It, it you know how some old fifties mm. sitcoms are really old sitcoms. Yeah. But I love Lucy. Still funny. It's still real. It still gets you. It's still right there in yeah. relationships and and situations. Yeah, they're exaggerated because all comedy there, is yeah. exaggerated. Of course. But like the. <laughs> The opening the window and closing the window. That the reason that's so real is because that came from Lucy and Desi's life. (laughs) Lucy was the Eastern uh, uh, U.S. uh, born and bred girl, and Uh Desi was the tropical Cuban man. Yeah. So she liked the window open and the the cold breeze, and he Mm -hmm. liked it nice and warm and cozy in the window (laughs) closed. So that huge fight with the opening and closing, that was from real life. (laughs) (laughs) That's fabulous. I have to admit, my my other sort of 60 series that I could watch again and again, I I still have a very soft spot for Get Smart. Oh, I love Get Smart. Such clever writing, and, you know, you get... Half the lines you can sort of you can say, but I, I always see extra little bits of clever or you know extra things. The way Don Adams you know moves his body or his face or things like that that are you know a 99 with her droll eye rolls and things like that. It's just there's there's always something for me there, even when I sort of you know just about could recite the entire script of an episode. It's always funny. It was, but any any think about who's behind it. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, Hello, you yeah. know, um, it, it, um, Mel Brooks. Yeah. And um, what's his name? He just died recently. Henry. Is it Henry? Guy, I'm getting old. I used to know everything right off the top of my head. Oh, what was his name? 
Buck Henry. Buck Henry. You think you have it back, back, you think you have it back to front. Buck that's Henry, it, that's yeah. it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Buck yep. Henry. The, the, I mean, two of the most brilliant writers of the 20th and the mm-hmm. 21st century. Yeah. Um, really. And they can't, They did that. They That that was one of their babies. Mm. They they collaborated on that one. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think it would have been as good without um, Don Adams. Oh, no. No way. He was just picture perfect as... Max, he just, he just was so wonderful. Yeah, I think the the physicality of his comedy too, even sometimes just the way he'd walk into the room, you know, he'd just have a particular sort of way he swung his body, you know, mm-hmm. sort of when he was all sort of jaunty and, and you know, cock a hoop, you know, high chief, you know, what have you got for me? And his shoulders be sort of, you know, going left, right, left, right as he came into the room. It's just, yeah. I think without without that physicality and not I mean let's you know the, the falls he did when you know he'd trip over four and he hit the floor bounce back up straighten his tie you know that sort of thing just brilliant missed me by that much that's it, <laughs> yes, that's it. would you believe two boy scouts and a bicycle <laughs> would you believe <laughs> yeah I just yeah I love Get Smart and my brother still quotes it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's one of his all-time favorite TV shows. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Get Smart. And the other one that I love, it's a little dated, but I still love it, is Bewitched. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. love Bewitched. Bewitched and Batgirl. Those were the two shows that oh, my goodness. I yeah. adored when I was a little girl. I mean, I was a little girl when those things were on. Um, <laughs> like, I think... Bewitched came on when I was about four, and that girl came on when I was about seven. So, <laughs> so that was part of babysitting television, you know. <laughs> but it stayed with me forever. I used to walk home from school, and the, I I didn't even know that this was. I I realized later it was part of my creativity was I would make up stories about Bewitched and how I was part of it and I was a cousin oh, of really? Tabitha uh, and that's how I, I when I this is only when I walked home by myself but it was quite often I walked home by myself um, when I walked home from school and I would just like because you know it was kind of boring just to walk the same route over and over uh-huh. again so I would make up these stories about Bewitched or, or that girl or, or, or any of them and put myself into them. <laughs> so that was part writer, part actor. They were both yep, in that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, that's why I think they stayed with me for my whole life, is mm-hmm. because I did that. I know, I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're creative. You're, you know, as you said, that's the beginning of the, the writer-actor there. Yeah, I was in elementary school, so I hadn't even formed yet. But I was I was always doing stuff like that. I used to put on shows in the backyard with Carpenter's record and singing and dancing with it. Wow! Yeah. I was I was a, I don't know I was a creative nut I guess. Yeah. Did Did you do stuff like that? Oh, yeah, I think we probably put on a few shows when we were kids. And, yeah, I, I think it was probably along those lines. And always always sort of writing bits and pieces, too. I think that was that was it. So not so much singer, I don't think. can't recall doing much singing, but, yeah, cracking jokes, probably. I love Karen Carpenter's voice because that was my – she was an alto and I was an alto. It was, like, perfect, okay, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not, there was not that many alto singers that were big stars that had records. Most people were either sopranos or contraltos. Yeah, very, very true. few people with that nice, mm-hmm. lovely alto voice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, she was she was my favorite singer when I was a girl. <laughs> oh, she had a fabulous voice. Absolutely fabulous voice. I, if I get depressed, I still play her records. Aww. It's just It's so beautiful. Yeah. Makes me feel better. <laughs> I know that's kind of weird, but you know, music is like that, though. It, oh, absolutely, absolutely. The yeah. healing thing, and that 
and that you know that early association of how much you loved it then is is why it's a you know it's a nice thing for you now when you're feeling low. Yeah, it's just like during the pandemic, I read like every Agatha Christie book I had yeah. was because she was always a comfort book for me. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. And I actually, I think I bought a few that I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it was just, I mean, I read other books too, but I'm just saying, it's just, you, I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, you just wanted something that made you feel better. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And something that was, I, I guess, you know, if you were reading a lot of Agatha Christie too, um, something that felt normal, like, you know, part of, of what the world was usually like, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have a book that you, uh, or a series of books that you were reading during that period? Oh, I don't know that I had a particular series, but but just, you know, I had some that I, definitely that I went back to and reread during that time. So, yeah, it's, but just, just books generally, I think, because, you know, that's, that's just having, having that access to books. And fortunately, we have a lovely local bookshop that even when we were sort of in the depths of lockdown, they were, they were doing deliveries, you know, contact, like literally they were, they were out in their car just dropping things off on people's doorsteps. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was just brilliant to have that. Yeah, um, our used bookstore had sidewalk pickup, so uh, so we would go, you know, my brother would drive over and pick it up, or, mm-hmm. or Barnes & Noble also had sidewalk pickup. Yeah. Um, I, I, I forgot, I saw, another thing I learned from uh, the uh, booktube is I, I've been trying to learn all the different stores from the different countries. <laughs> Like I know the ones from I they they show the ones from Australia. There were two different. There were some people from New Zealand. I love doing mm-hmm. the bookstore tours, um, uh, places I've never been. So Australia, New Zealand, Eng- well I've been to England, Paris, which I've I've not been. Uh, d- uh, different places. It was really cool. And there was one in Japan that was like underground. It was really oh, wow. the weirdest thing. It was huge. It looked like a bomb shelter or something. It was like, wow. but it was all books. It was very nicely decorated. But it was like, you go deep down, because she, uh, she was, uh, you follow the girl who was uh, uh-huh. doing the film, and you go deep down into the earth, <laughs> and then you walk through this glass thing, and it's all books. But it's huge. Wow. I mean, it goes on forever. I mean, is that cool? <laughs> I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking, and now I need to visit Japan because this sounds like a very awesome bookshop. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> I thought so too. It was really cool, and I found out, you know, there's more than one uh, bookstore in uh, Paris that sells books that are English that have both English and French books. Mm-hmm. It's not just Shakespeare and Co. There's like two other bookstores that do that. Oh, sure, yeah. But because um, I watched and read the Julia Childs, uh, Julie and oh, Julie, yeah. Yeah. and when Julia Childs was there, apparently Shakespeare and Co. was it. <laughs> uh, there was no other one that had English oh, books. Sure, yeah. But now there's um, there's one that's called San Francisco, Okay. and another one called the Red Wagon or something. <laughs> Sounds like you need to do like a worldwide bookshop tour, Sherry. I think. I mean, I well, that's what I've been doing, Catherine. <laughs> Just sitting here and watching all these bookstores. <laughs> I mean, I had seen these places on TV shows and stuff, mm-hmm. but to see the bookstores is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the bookstores. I know about. A bookstore in um, Melbourne because Carrie had her signing there and um, they did filming of it for the Sun Bookshop, the iconic Sun Bookshop. Yeah, that one I know about. Yep. (laughs) But there was a couple of other ones I had never heard of. That was in Melbourne. (laughs) Okay. We're we're quite a quite a bookshoppy town, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. I think they usually do about four or five bookstores when they do these mm-hmm. things. I mean, you yeah. can't go to every bookstore in a city. No, no. 
would be a nice way to spend your time, but unfortunately not. Yeah. I mean, in England, I don't know how many times I saw foils and waterstones over and over and over yeah. again. Waterstones yeah. must be the equivalent of Barnes & Noble. Yes, yes, they they are very much in, in the UK. And, of course, they've got W.H. Smith is their other chain. But Hatchards in um, Piccadilly is another magical bookshop. That is one they did show that I want to go yeah. to. I want um, yeah. the other one, and it's funny because my book club, She Done It, actually recommends you uh, uh, get books through Blackwell's. And, mm -hmm. and, but the thing is, it kept bugging me why that name sounded so familiar. Because I've never been to Blackwell's. I've never been to Oxford. I didn't know anything yeah. about it. And then I realized Harriet in A Gaudy Night mentions it when she's talking to Peter's uh. nephew, Jerry. <laughs> And it's like it's just one line, but for yep. some reason it stuck with me. She, um, what what book can't you find at Blackwell's? Uh, it was like, but that stuck with me because I've read Gaudy Night. I don't know how many times, and and I was like, why can't? Oh, and suddenly it just hit me, Gaudy Night. <laughs> there you go. But it took me a long time to have it hit me. I got to tell you, it didn't hit me right mm -hmm. away. <laughs> Um, so are you having any, uh, I, 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 you probably may not be able to talk about it, but are you going to be having any, I mean, you've got the new book that you're working mm -hmm. on. Um, is there any other things that are coming up that you want to tell anybody about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. So I've got my, my latest book, which has just come out in Australia, Seven Sisters, and that came out in January. Mm -hmm. So, um don't know anything about overseas editions or things like that yet, but I will keep you posted. Cool. Um, and you're and getting really so, good reviews, because I've seen them. <laughs> yes, yes, so touch with that continues, so it's been really well received, which is nice, um, and it's a, that's a standalone one, so that's, that's been a bit different for me. It's much more sort of psychological thriller, um, so I'm pleased that's going well. And yeah, so I'm probably about halfway through a first draft of, of my latest one, which is um, my new character, which we, I think we've, we've sort of come full circle now, yeah. um, the one we're talking about at the start. Mm -hmm. So, um, And that's, um, I think this is possibly a new series, but I've still got, you know, I've still got Alex Clayton there, and there's a manuscript of hers waiting, hopefully, um, when we get the pilot television series going so that that can come out at the same time as the pilot airs. Um, so there's a few things sort of ticking away in the background there, um, which is good. So I've got, got lots, of, lots of things to play around with. Catherine, do you have an ETA on the TV series yet? Not yet, not yet. So we're, we've, we've sort of got the script for, for our pilot series. So um, we're, we're moving ahead, but we don't have an ETA yet. Okay. Oh, again, keep you posted. Okay, because that's, I want to see that, because she's, I told you she's my favorite. I love her. Excellent. <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, hopefully, hopefully it will be going onto one of the streaming platforms, so it will be easily available for you in the U.S. Yeah, I want, I want to see that because, um, well, you know, my favorite of your books, and I love all, all of your books. I mean, I've only read four oh. chapters of Just Murdered, but I love all of your books anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite is Molly. I, I love the portrait of Molly Dean. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Molly too, so um, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, it's my. I mean, I recommend it left and right. I mention well, it on my show. I mention it in different groups that I'm on. Thank you. <laughs> I've suggested it for she done it book readings. Uh, <laughs> I love That's it. Lovely. Thank you. It's my favorite. It's just, I. It's. It's. I think it's a dual thing. It's a great book, and I love that it's in two time periods. It happens to be one of my favorite time periods, the 1920s. It happens to be in a time period I remember very well, the 90s. Uh, but um, but I think it's really Molly because uh, I it, she was such an amazing woman. The the real Molly was yeah. such an amazing yeah. woman. And you gave such a tribute to her in there. Oh, thank you. It's a beautiful book, really. 
I really appreciate that because that was what I wanted to do with that book. You know, I wanted to, to honour her and I wanted to, to shine a light on her because she'd been so diminished and overlooked by everybody. I agree. I agree. And the thing is, is the things that they were looking down on her for, I admire her for. Mm, 100%. Uh, yeah. th- that she wanted to have her own life, that she wanted to live the way she wanted to live, the way she wanted to be a writer. They really poo-pooed her being a writer. Uh, Uh, All the things I really admire her for. It's just just maddening. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Sherry. It's a beautiful book. Uh, It should have won a lot of awards. (laughs) It really should have, because it was such a great book. I love that book. Um... So we're coming, we are at the end. I wanted to, um, do you have a website? I do, katherinekovacic.com. And uh, can you give your social media, I know you've done it a thousand times, but can you give your social media for those people who are new to the show? Um, well, you, you'll find me on Twitter still for as long as Twitter is a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, Facebook, Catherine Kovacic, and Instagram, gosh, I think it's Catherine Kovacic there too. So easy to find. Yeah, I, yeah, Twitter's iffy, but yeah, <laughs> but Twitter, I, for me, Twitter at the moment. Sorry, I shouldn't keep talking, but Twitter is like um, a New Year's Eve party at about half past midnight when everyone's starting to think, "How soon can I go? How can I? Is this thing over yet? <laughs> can I leave without insulting yeah, anybody?" That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's no. it. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've been. I. It's just that I have a really good following on Twitter. I just. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of hurts, uh, yeah. uh, but so I will. I'll stick to it until they get really. If it, if they start doing something that just makes mm. me want to leave it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, but I know. Um, but you have Instagram, and I love Instagram. I think Instagram's my favorite. Yeah, I'm liking Instagram. Yeah, um, Facebook is okay. <laughs> I'm very careful on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be. Yeah, I know. Um, I want to thank you. I know you're really busy, and I want to thank you for coming on my show. You're so nice to do it when you're so busy. <laughs> oh, it's my absolute pleasure. It's always lovely chatting with you, Sherry. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs>